Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode four of the Defending the Line podcast. I'm TJ. I am your host. My co-host, Stephen, is out sick today, so you just got me. If you're watching us live, you're on Twitch. If you're watching the video after the episode airs, then you're probably on YouTube. And if you're listening to us, I greatly appreciate you as well. Um, You're just not going to see some of the cool stuff that we're going to see on the actual stream. Um, but I do appreciate you. We are on Spotify. We are now on iHeartRadio, as well as a bunch of other podcast kind of hosting websites. So you can go through basically any app and find us. And I hope you're listening to us. I hope you're enjoying the content. Um, last week was an amazing episode. And we had Stephen on from Blue Help. Blue Help is an amazing organization came to talk to us about mental health with first responders. And we told a couple stories, personal stories, something I'd gone through, something Stephen, the co-host, had gone through, and then even uh, our, our guest Stephen had gone through. And we explained kind of what Blue Help was about, um, released some links and some information for people to follow up if you know they're struggling and they need some help and they want to talk to somebody. So you can go ahead and check that episode, watch that all the way through. It goes a little bit longer than normal. Generally, we try to stick to about an hour. We went to uh, almost an hour and a half on that one, but the content was really important and I felt like we needed to stick with the topic and and keep going through. And actually, there were a few little things I wanted to put into that that episode and I had to actually cut it out because the information was just too important. So we just left it, left it aside. So I appreciate everybody that watched. I appreciate everybody that caught up with that episode. And like I said, it was very powerful. It was very strong. It was very um, just informational and and great. So I would like every episode to be like that. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, But it would be great if we could, if we could be, you know, that, that level of podcast all the time. I'm going to try, but uh, you know, sometimes we just can't get there. So I appreciate it. You can find all that stuff everywhere. Twitch, YouTube, you can find it on Anchor, you can find it on Pandora, iHeartRadio now. Wherever you think there's a podcast, it's probably there. So please take a look, take a listen, whatever your preferences. And if you're listening now, um, we're going to play a little bit of uh, a couple videos and I'll try and talk you through it a little bit. It's a little awkward when you can't see what's going on, but... If you hunt us down and you take a look at the YouTube link for our channel, you'll be able to watch the videos and see what we're talking about. But uh, today we're going to break this up since I'm solo. We're going to break it into a topic, then we're going to break it into a video, then we're going to talk another topic, and then we're going to do another video. And generally it's topic and then video, and that's kind of it for, for the episode. But since it's me, I'm going to talk a little bit, take a little bit of a break from talking, let you watch and listen to something. And then I'll talk a little bit about that, talk some more, look and listen, talk some more. Finish out the day. So today's topics we're going to talk about are abolishing the police. And I want to talk about training, requirements, degrees, things that I hear a lot on the internet about that officers are not trained properly. They don't have the right level of education and things like that. And I want to touch on those topics and and break those down a little bit and and give some information. Um, When I go online and I do a lot of 
online social media stuff. I'm on Twitter all the time looking and reading posts. And trust me, I go to the people that hate me and I go to the people that love me and I see what they're saying. And if you hashtag abolish the police, you will find a lot of hate against law enforcement. And very, very so often, not so often, but kind of in the middle of a clump of turd is a little nugget where somebody says, you know, this is what I think and here's why. They don't just abolish the police hashtag and they leave it at that. They actually provide some information a little bit on what they would rather see, what, you know, what that means, uh, what they're talking about, things like that. The little nuggets every once in a while are kind of interesting to look at. I do sometimes respond to those and try to have a civil conversation with the people. But often, if they're an abolish the police, an ACAB kind of person, an F-12, those kind of people, there's no getting through to them. So um, it's just not going to happen. So, But I, I try. I try to have civil conversations with people and get their point of views as well. So... Um, Abolishing the police. Let's talk first about what they want, okay? And when I see all these posts and I talk to these people, the, the bottom line is no police, okay? When they say abolished, they mean gone, not defunding the police. Defunding police is a little bit different, and we've talked about that in a past episode. I'm not going to bring that up too much again, but it is vastly different. When you say abolish, it's gone. It's gone forever. It doesn't exist because it, they think it's better without um, the big thing that I see, which is, is pretty ridiculous, is that people tend to talk about um, abolishing the police in terms of violence, police violence. You know, this is an opinion article that I'm showing on screen right now for New York Times. And yes, we mean literally abolish the police. That's what they're saying, right? Because reform won't happen. And even if reform does happen, they will not be satisfied with the results. But if you go through this article, and I did, unfortunately, but if you go through this article and you read a little bit, this is the kicker right here. Uh, it's this paragraph that says, enough. We can't reform the police. The only way to diminish police violence is to reduce contact between the public and the police. Now, I believe it was episode one, we talked about contacts with police and how nationwide there are over probably 700,000 police officers. I think the last number I saw was like 678,000, but that was full active duty kind of police officers. That is not a reserve. That is not a unpaid volunteer. That is not somebody within the department that um, is not full-time. So I round that up to about 700,000, I think. And we did the numbers and we crunched the math and it showed that law enforcement comes into contact roughly about 50 million times and shootings, law enforcement shootings happen at like 0.002% of the time when they're armed, you know, or, or in total. And then it was like 0.0005% of the time when they're unarmed. It's just, this paragraph here really spells out what the problem with abolishing the police is. It's ignorance. It's people that don't understand what law enforcement does on a daily basis, the contacts that they make, the lack of violence that occurs during these contacts, 
And so you get a lot of this kind of police are violent, aggressive, angry people, and we need to get rid of them. But they don't understand that that's not actually occurring. That's not happening. Very few times are you going to see anyone get hurt, uh, killed, whatever, during a police contact. And so I read this paragraph, and it stood out to me in, in this whole article. Um, I, I don't know who this Mariam Kaba is, but she wrote this article and has an opinion piece. And she says that we need to diminish the contacts be- between police and law enforcement, or sorry, law enforcement and the citizens. And, and I think we need to increase the contacts between citizens and law enforcement. I think we need to show them the positive stuff that law enforcement does on a daily basis that first responders do on a daily basis, which is the basis for this podcast is for me to talk to you and tell you what my thoughts are based on my experiences, Stephen's experiences and others' experiences. And I can tell you, having done law enforcement for 14 years in, in two different cities and once uh, statewide as a reserve where I was unpaid, I can tell you that it's very rare that there's violence. It's very rare that there's anything that's really questionable going on. Um, I can't recall thinking off the top of my head one time that I witnessed anything racist, that I witnessed anything immoral, you know, that, that occurred in front of me or incurred, you know, in the same station or whatever, where I heard about it. I heard guys get DUIs and I heard, you know, people get in trouble and all this other stuff. And yes, that does happen. And I I certainly won't defend any criminal actions that people do, but I didn't see it a lot. I didn't hear about it a lot. I was in a department of over a thousand police officers in my first agency, and it didn't happen a lot. The second one was about a hundred and the other one was about a hundred. The third one was about a hundred and still, I didn't see it a lot. And I, I think the thought process is just really, really gone. I think people don't understand what law enforcement does. I don't think they understand the things that law enforcement gets involved in. You know, the big topics lately are, you know, going to mental health calls and they should have somebody go along with them that's certified. Well, a lot of police officers are certified and they go through a lot of training. I myself had gone through a week-long course, a CIT course, Crisis Intervention Team, and even after that, I still did more training on, you know, people that have a mental health crisis and me coming in contact and how do I help them and things like that. So I don't think that law enforcement officers, specifically law enforcement officers, but we talk all responders here, are, are untrained or not trained enough. And we're going to get into that a little bit more later, but I feel like the general public just doesn't understand. So what, what do people want? They want to abolish police. They want to get rid of them. They don't want police anymore. And they think that everything will be perfect. And in that article, it actually talks about what would happen. And you take all the money, the billions of dollars. And I think it was episode two, we talked about how much money is put into law enforcement. It's something like $150 billion nationwide. Um, they said, well, if we took that money away from law enforcement and put them back in the communities, then everybody will be happy. No, they won't be. You will never be happy enough. 
I can promise you that there will be people and you can call them wolves, you can call them criminals, you can call them whatever you want. The people that prey on innocent people, they will still be out there trying to get more and more and more and more and more. And they will be committing crimes and they will be, you know, victimizing people, breaking into homes, assaulting and raping and killing and everything. And no amount of money that you could throw at a community will get rid of those types of people because it's a, it's a mental thing. It's not a, it's not an item. It's not property. It's not monetary. It's, it's a mental thing where these people want to be criminals. They want to take advantage of people. They want an easy life, you know? So what would it look like if we abolish police? You know, I think this is what it would look like is you look at, and for people that are listening, they may recognize this music and go, I know what that is. Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome. This is Barter Town. And Barter Town is where everybody comes to do their trade, to sell things, to find out what's going on in the world. And it is a complete and utter mess. Because what it is, is it's warlords and powerful people that own little areas and they control things. And the whole premise behind this movie is two people battling over who controls Barter Town. You know, it's the little guy with the with the with his big partner, Master Blaster. And then it's the other, um, the lady who's up in the sky, you know. And so this is what you will see is you will see the strong archetypes, the criminals, the big people move in and start controlling the population. You will see them taking over things like food production, things like that, and they will control it and they will not allow people to um, benefit and, and live their life and be happy. This is a prime example right here of what a, a lawless, policeless world would look like if if it had occurred uh, go watch it go watch mad max beyond the thunderdome whether you like mad max whether you like mel gibson whether you, whatever whatever it is go watch it anyway and just think maybe we don't have the apocalypse kind of background to this story we don't have the fallout and all that stuff but this is what you're going to get is you're going to get this go look at small third world countries right now um, in Africa and the Middle East and places like that where they don't have law and they have people running around and they have food and water is all under control of warlords and people like that. Is it going to happen overnight? No. Is it going to happen in a week or two? Maybe, maybe in a neighborhood, you know, in a small area, I think you're going to start seeing gang members and people that are kind of grouped already together, taking over little areas um, but in the long run, this is what you're going to see is people are going to be pushed into little towns and the little towns are going to be run by these warlords, these, these people, these criminals, whatever it is. So all the time on the internet, you know, on Twitter or whatever it is, somebody says, abolish the police. And I always throw up like a animated GIF or GIF or however you pronounce it, um, both sides, uh, of Mad Max you know, beyond the Thunderdome, two men enter, one man leaves kind of thing. And I always throw that stuff up there as, you know, it's kind of a joke, but at the same time, I believe it. I believe that's what would actually occur. And so I think it's important that people understand that a lawless world is not going to help anybody. 
It is going to um, hurt people. <laughs> Someone in chat says Mad Max took place in 2021. So, so close. Um, maybe. So, um, but anyway, you know, that's what it's going to look like. Um, I, we cannot get rid of police, period. You know, you even look at Star Trek, okay? People say, oh, Star Trek is the prime example. They did away with money. They did away with all this stuff. And the world was perfect, right? No, because when you actually look at the movies and you look at the shows and they show any scene in San Francisco, which is the big kind of uh, home base headquarters, so to speak, for the Federation, is you have security everywhere walking around with yellow shirts on because they are the security people. And everywhere, literally everywhere. If you watch the new movies, the opening scene for Star Trek is the kid steals the car, throws it off the cliff, jumps out, and what is standing over him? A police officer that got off of a motorcycle that was chasing him the whole time, and he's standing there. You cannot, I'm telling you, cannot have any world right now that has no law enforcement. It would be chaos, absolute chaos. And is are those people going to listen to this podcast? Probably not. Let's be real, okay? I would love to reach out there. I would love to get this message out. I would love to have people, you know, seeing it and hearing it and, and go, he's on to something, you know, and whatever the topic may be and, and change their tune. But I don't think that's actually going to occur. I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. It's just color me crazy, whatever. I just don't think it's going to happen. So can't say it enough. We need law enforcement. We need first responders. We need fire. What, what would the world be without fire? Firefighters. You want to talk about abolish police. Let's see what abolish firefighters would look like. You know what it would look like is Northern California or Colorado or some of these other places that are just on fire. Can you imagine how on fire this world would be? You look at Australia that just basically burned down you know, and I imagine that they didn't have enough firefighters. They were pulling in firefighters from different countries and different places to come help them. Just imagine a world without firefighters. Imagine a world without paramedics. You know how many people would die on a daily basis? Oh, I'm having chest pains. Oh, I broke my leg. Oh, I got this laceration working. And the ambulance responds. They treat them. They transport them. And then they save them, right? Just imagine how many people would die without without paramedics. How many people would die without 911 or be victimized without 911 call takers? You know, or the military. We'd be speaking a different language if we didn't have a military the size we do and, and how effective they are. So uh, I, you, you really got to look at it in a broad sense. Do I think law enforcement is perfect? Absolutely not. Do I think there's some things that could be done better, that could be improved upon, that could be uh, tweaked and things like that? Yes, I do. I absolutely do. I think the majority of law enforcement agencies are in the right direction, going in the right direction. I think kind of gone are the days of the 90s. You know, back in the 90s, it was snatch people up. And if they looked at you funny or flipped you off, they got beat up like I'm not saying that's okay. That's what occurred in the 90s, you know, and then the 2000s hit and things vastly, 
vastly changed. I think right at about 2000, 2002, somewhere in there, there was a pretty significant shift. And I came in just after that. And there were guys saying, you know, just a couple of years ago, I would, I would hit you, you know, they're talking to somebody and they're mouthing off to him. You know, a couple of years ago, you would have got beat up, but they don't do that anymore. They can't do that. Anymore. It doesn't have to do with cameras. It doesn't have to do with policies, you know, that they're going to be in trouble. It has to do with the whole mentality and thought process behind law enforcement, behind policing has changed drastically. You know, the way they approach training, the way they approach hiring, the way they approach, you know, just normal patrol approach different calls now everything's completely different completely different and if you don't believe me that's fine go hunt down someone who was a cop in the 70s and 80s or 90s and ask them what law enforcement was about don't take it from me take it from them ask them what it was like and see what they tell you and they will tell you it's vastly different than it is today we are getting better in law enforcement. We are getting better in medical fields. We are getting better in um, all these different areas, but we're, we're not quite there yet, right? Let's be real. So there's some things that we do need to improve upon and, and, and get better. I think we'll get there. I think we'll get there. I think people need to stop freaking out, um, losing their minds. And, and like I said, you know, going down this abolish and defund route because it's not going to help. We talked about it in a previous episode. Like I said, I'm not going to get too too much into it. You're more than welcome to uh, refer to our previous episodes. I think it was episode two. And we talked about funding and, and things like that. And if you take 25% or 30% or whatever it is away from law enforcement, it affects all areas of law enforcement. I think we're at a point now where a lot of agencies are going to these like community policing models and like, you know, donuts with cops, coffee with cops, and they're doing all these things that when I started never happened, never occurred. And now they're starting to do that stuff. And I, I think we're going to see more of that and continue to um, go down that route of, you know, interacting with the public and they being an important asset and, and part of law enforcement. And I think we're going to see a lot more. It's just going to be, it's going to be a, a better mesh and meld of law enforcement and community. And I see chats going crazy, people posting down there, but um, I'll try and keep an eye on it, but it's kind of hard to communicate and keep an eye on chat at the same time. So, um, but I, I feel like we need to get away from this abolished stuff. We need to get away from this defunding stuff. There are alternatives. I promise you there, there is money. Um, cities and counties and states and stuff have general funds and they have money that they could probably pull a percentage, five, ten percent out of their use for community projects and, and to help the community and stuff like that. But I think when we talk defunding, I think you need to go to the very top, you know, the politicians down to the bottom. I just read somewhere the other day that there's like a I don't even know what the crazy amount of increase in some of these politicians, like city council people, their pay is just astronomical, you know, and these people don't work every day. They go to work every day, but let's be real. They don't work every day and they certainly don't represent you and they don't represent me. You know, these senators, these, 
these Congress, all these people, they don't, they don't know you. They don't know me. They don't know what we're about and what we're struggling for. And they, you know, they'll hear some people that have voted for them and they'll talk to them and they'll go, Oh, that's great. Yeah. We need to help those people and things like that. But really let's be real. They don't know your struggles. They don't know my struggles and they're not going to make the right decisions. And it's unfortunate, but I think you need to go to the very top and you need to work your way down and just start shaving off a little something. And there's a politician that probably won't hear this podcast, but might and go, Oh my God, stop talking. I don't want to lose my money. We get it. Nobody wants to lose their money. Right. But I think if you shave a little bit off, just going all the way down, you could have a good chunk of money that you can throw into a community and really, really change things. I mean, a small town, a small city could essentially wipe out homelessness, could wipe out people that are starving, could wipe out, you know, their community problems. They're not going to change the world, but they can change their little tiny world. And I think we need to start looking into that stuff. So I I see that stuff coming. I see that stuff happening. Um, How long? I don't know. I don't know how long in 10, 15, 20 years, maybe we'll start seeing more and more of that stuff and we'll, uh, you know, things will be better, but I think law enforcement's on the right track. I think first responders all, you know, clumped together are headed in the right direction and things are happening, you know, the way they should. People just need to be patient. Yes. They want change now. That's all you see is all this now, now, now stuff. And, that's not how real life works. Nothing happens now. Nothing happens right away. So think it over. Put some thought into it. It's going to get better, I promise you. Um, so this video I'm going to play is pretty interesting. And it's going to go into a little bit about what I'm saying in terms of law enforcement has changed. And I think, I hope, and you watching the video, and I'm going to talk after the video um, for the purpose of the audio, kind of what they're seeing and things like that. I want you to see the video and hear the video and, and get the full spectrum of it. You're obviously not going to know what's going on. You're going to hear a lot of sounds, but you're not going to know what's going on if you're just listening. So I will kind of talk through what occurred, and then we'll go from there. But uh, take a look at this video, and uh, we'll talk about that. She ain't getting away. She has going to jail. trying to go.
Marcus, you probably should back your shit half the way up. Cause she gonna back up in the driveway in a minute. This is a wild video. Um, so, so basically what occurs is there's supposedly a female, I don't know all the specifics yet, but it's in Chicago. This just came out a few days ago and it's a cell phone video of a neighbor recording what is supposed to be a female in like a black Jeep and officers are on scene. There's some sort of disturbance and this person in the black Jeep starts racing around the police cars and through the police cars, trying to run over police officers. And then at one point rear ends a police car, which throws the officer against the door. I assume hurting, injuring themselves because they hit the ground and they're, they're not moving very well. And then the vehicle backs up. It, there's kind of a cut in the video and then it rams a police car that's parked. And then it rams this giant police van thing that they have um, just broadsides it backs up and then just drives away. Now, when I started in law enforcement, I can tell you one thing. There is a part of the video where there's two parked vehicles. There is an officer kind of in between, kind of in the yard. The vehicle comes through at the police officer through the vehicle, through the cars. The officer runs around the car and the, the vehicle chases after the officer. When I started in law enforcement, that officer would have fired on that. They would have shot into the windshield to try to disable that driver. I don't know what the circumstances are, if there's children in the vehicle, if there's something that kind of makes this a little more sketch and they don't want to shoot. Um, I'm going to look into it a little bit more, but I wanted to show the video because it's a prime example of where we're at with law enforcement. And that's, we're afraid to do stuff. We're afraid to act. You know, if they had shot this, let's say it's a female. Then it would be on the news, whatever, you know, if black, white, with, you know, female, unarmed, shot by police on every headline, you know, gunned down by police. The media is ridiculous with, with this stuff. And the racial divide and I think the um, kind of general thoughts on law enforcement are vastly affected by the media. And I think the media has made this stance that, Law enforcement is bad or at least is supporting that narrative because what it does is it brings people to their website. It brings people to their programming when they say, oh, we got a video where an officer is beating somebody up 10 o'clock tonight on the news. People are tuning in. They're like, oh, I want to see this. What is this? You know, person getting beat up for no reason. They already have an idea of what's happening because it's just that's how it's thrown out there. And so you have these officers and they're running around literally to save them their lives because they're about to get run over and they don't shoot. They don't shoot. They don't, I, as far as I can tell in the video, they don't even draw guns. And, you know, I'm sure the family at that house is screaming and yelling. You, you can hear stuff, but you can't really hear what they're saying. Um, one, a couple times somebody goes up and they're like trying to yell at the driver you know, stop or whatever you're, you know, whatever they're saying. Um, but no one acts, no one runs up, 
you know, in a, in a situation like that, you could run up and puncture the tires and now you've got, you know, you're disabled the, the vehicle. Would, would I do that? Maybe, maybe in policing today, but the court of public opinion, when anything occurs, is going to give you a guilty verdict before you even get a chance to show or say what occurred. And I guarantee each one of these officers haven't, they just had, Chicago just had a pretty kind of um, headlined shooting. There was a guy, he had a knife and he attacked a sergeant in the Chicago Police Department, stabs the sergeant twice in the vest, doesn't go through, and they shoot this guy 15 times or however many times it was. Uh, it was two officers that shot at him. And it was in this park. And it's a, it's an amazing video. And I've got copies of all three body cams. I've synced them up and it looks amazing. Um, I'm a little hesitant to show them on podcast or, or air the, uh, the audio on podcast just because he does die. And we know he dies. And so... You know, this is on Twitch. It'll be on YouTube. They're a little weird about stuff with people dying. Um, so I'm a little hesitant to show it, but I think it is also kind of demonstrating the shift in law enforcement where we're at now is the officers had, you know, the one had his gun out and then the female uh, sergeant took her taser out and they're aiming it at this guy and they tried to tase him and he gets back up. He goes down and then he gets back up. And they're just kind of like, I don't want to say playing with them, but they're, they're not shooting him. They're not, he's a threat. He is a huge threat. He's advanced on both of them and he's got the knife and he is a huge threat, but neither one of them really want to kill this guy. They don't want to, you know, or disable him or whatever. They don't want to, they don't want to neutralize him. So what they do is they kind of, well, let's try the taser. The taser doesn't work. Then she gets too close and he's, he's on top of her. And then the guy can't shoot and another guy comes running in and then they both get kind of a clear opportunity to shoot. And so it's just more of how policing has changed. You know, back in the day, you come, you come out from the bush, you've got a knife in your hand, you're getting shot as you're coming out towards law enforcement. And in that video, he advances quite, quite a good distance on them and neither one shoots him. You know, in this video, this person's driving circles and ramming police cars and things like that. And, and nobody shoots her or, or him. They say she, but I don't know for sure. No one shoots the person. No one shoots the vehicle. Obviously we're not going to disable the vehicle with, with gunfire, but much to crazy people thought process. Um, you don't shoot the engine block. You don't shoot tires. You don't do all that stuff. That's just craziness. So it just like, you don't shoot the gun out of their hand. You don't shoot them in the leg or the arm because the the video in the park is a prime example. This guy takes like 15 rounds. I mean, just pop, 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 two guns firing at the same time. And he's standing, he's still holding onto this sergeant. And then eventually he just kind of falls over. His, his brain catches up with his body and shuts down and he falls over. But... I mean, he took rounds, probably center mass in his arm. I mean, just the angle he was at, you know, the side, literally everywhere. And I think even in the neck and maybe the head. And finally he shuts down. But what people don't understand is you shoot somebody in the arm, it's it's not going to blow their arm off. It's not going to make the, 
threat go away. If anything, you may piss them off. Um, you shoot them in the leg, it doesn't mean they can't stop moving. There's so much leg. I mean, you would have to do some serious damage just to disable one leg, and they still got another one. So people need to get away from this whole thought process of disabling shots. And clearly, they, they didn't do that here. So I think people need, need to understand that law enforcement has changed. The way they police, the way they interact with the public through policies and body cams and everything else, just to kind of support that change, policing has changed dramatically. Um, you know, going into uh, topic number two, which I said was degrees in training, um, I think here, here's, here's a little perspective, okay? So I went into law enforcement, having come from the military, getting zero college education, and I went into a police academy, which was roughly about a thousand hours, okay? Now, when you actually calculate all that out, that's a lot, okay? It doesn't sound like a lot, a thousand hours, is that like two days? No, okay, that's a lot. Um, a thousand hours was six months of solid nine, basically nine to five, Monday through Friday. When you calculate the hours and you say eight hours a day, five days a week, it comes out to about a thousand hours. You look at people that go to college and it depends on the college or the university and they could go for six months or eight months or whatever it is. Um, they're probably going to do maybe around 750 actual hours in the classroom. Probably more like 650, somewhere around there. Um, so that's, that's what uh, people go through when they go to school. Now, obviously you could go to school, get a degree, and then you can go into law enforcement. Now you have 600 more hours, right? That's the argument. They should be better trained. They should be smarter. They should go through psychology classes and mental health classes, and they should do all this stuff, right? Um, in order to get into law enforcement. That's a big argument, Okay. Now, more people argue for just a degree versus actual specific training, but some people, and, and okay, I understand that. I can tell you law enforcement goes through a lot of training in terms of um, dealing with mental health, dealing with people, things like that. Uh, it's obviously not a psychological degree. It's not a college level of education degree. Um, some guys, some training is, you look at like DRE school, which is drug recognition experts. These are guys that come into contact with drivers. They see, um, you know, certain indicia and they can say that that person is on methamphetamine or that person is on cocaine or, you know, they go through some series of tests and things like that. And, and they're able to do that. And the actual course itself is pretty strenuous and it's college level. Um, so they do get that type of training if they go seek it out or if they get sent to it. But I think a degree, just a, you have to have a two-year degree or a four-year degree, it doesn't equate to knowledge, experience, and it doesn't make you better as a person. I knew a lot of people that had college degrees that were complete and utter morons. And I saw guys that barely passed high school and they were amazing. Or got a GED and they were amazing. And, you know, the big counter argument is going to be uh, from, from 
especially from like the law enforcement community, the people that, that talk about this topic and, and, you know, go back and forth with it is if you restrict law enforcement, if you restrict first responders to only college degrees and you don't allow people that really suffered and struggled through life that barely got their GEDs, you know, that had their kid when they were 15, 16 years old in school, uh, grew up in a crappy neighborhood, grew up, you know, a crappy home and things like that. If these people can't have the opportunity to become police officers, then they don't change policing. I think that's a valid point. I think that's a valid argument against degrees because let's face it, we're never going to make college free in America. It's just never going to happen. I would love to see that. I would love to hear that. But colleges, they're, they're about money. They're about making money. And, you know, it's $30,000, to some schools for you to get into. And, it, and that's just a lot of money for them to say, well, we don't really need it anymore. We don't want it. So just understand college will never be free. Yeah, we can do some programs and we can do some things where we do some scholarships and try to get these people in. I would love to see like a scholarship program started for underprivileged people that want to get into law enforcement. And like their whole goal towards that is start school. Once you graduate, we'll send you to a certification academy that's at the school. And a lot of colleges have state certification academies. We'll send you to that. You graduate that. We'll put your application out to different departments. I think that would be amazing. But I don't see that happening. Um, like I said, it would be great if they would do it. You look at the regular officer, the regular street guy that just comes in. He's got no education uh, past high school. He's hitting the streets. He's doing the street thing, right? And then you throw somebody in that has a, a degree, associate's degree or a bachelor's degree in dance. Do you really think that the person, and let's, for argument's sake, say that they barely passed. They got like the bare minimum passing grade to get that degree. You're telling me that the person with the degree in dance or archaeology or, you know, any number, sports medicine, any number of topics that have nothing to do with law enforcement, you're, you're going to tell me that those people are better than, than the one guy who got out, of, got out of high school, said, I want to be a law enforcement officer. That's all I want to be for my whole life. Goes into it and starts hitting it hard. I don't think you can argue that. I don't think you can argue it with me. I think you're going to struggle with other people. It just doesn't make sense that a college degree should be required for law enforcement. I don't think it should be required for 911 dispatchers. I don't think it should be required for firefighters. You know, firefighters go through a firefighting academy and they learn about fires and they learn about how things, you know, how to combat fires and how to do all that stuff and the apparatus and all, all that stuff. I don't think they should get a college degree. You know, if you want to be an arson investigator, yeah, they'll probably say you need a degree in, you know, whatever the, you know, the, the topic is and, and criminal investigation of fires and things like that. But I think the general firefighter, should they need a degree? No, I don't think so. Now, some departments do things different. And they say, if you want to promote, you need a, a degree. I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I don't like it. 
I think again that I've seen some sergeants and lieutenants and captains and above and whatever that were complete and utter morons. And then I've seen people that were the the you know knuckle dragger guy who did really well as a sergeant. You know, in some departments that didn't have that, they moved up in the world and they got, you know, they brought in their experiences and they brought in their their you know work ethic and things like that. And they were amazing. And then you have the book smart idiot who couldn't couldn't tell you, you know, what his elbow and his ass was because to them it's the same. You know, they know book smart. They know information from the manual. They could quote you policy and procedure all day long, but they couldn't fight themselves out of a wet paper bag. And I think it's important that we understand that degrees, um, you know, certifications don't necessarily equal better. Now, me personally, when I was in law enforcement, I went out and tried to get as much certifications as I possibly could. And it wasn't to put on a resume and show people that, oh, I'm the greatest. And I should actually have pulled it up on on, on this uh, podcast episode, but I didn't. I'm not about like bloating and self, you know, whatever. Um, but I did do a lot of certifications. And my thought process was, I'm not going to get these to be better than the next person. I'm not going to get these to toot my own horn or whatever. I want to do this to better my performance, to better what I provide to the community. <clears throat> and so um, that was my thought process. And I think that's probably the thought process of a lot of law enforcement officers, first responders and things like that is, you know, when I was in the military, because we do also support military in, in this podcast. And Stephen, the co-host who's, who's not here tonight, he was a military police officer. And, um, you know, we in the military even took like college level type classes. Or, um, I think it was called like the Marine Corps Institute or something is what, what they referred to it when I was in. And these were like financial planning and, you know, whatever and leadership and so they came in a little book and we read the book and then we had to take a test and we sent it off. It gets graded. I get a certificate, you know, and some college, college credit or whatever. And so, um, I did that to better myself. Okay? No other reason other than to just better myself. And I think a lot of law enforcement officers do that. Again, I started in law enforcement. It was a thousand hours, a thousand hours of training that I went through just to get the uniform on the badge to go to a district station, get into a police car. Okay. Couldn't turn it on. Couldn't drive away. I couldn't answer radio calls. I couldn't do anything because I'm still not trained. Okay. So I got this basic information and then I had to go through an FTO program. And the FTO program was depending on performance. It could be three months. It could be six months. It could be depending, you know, on, on where you're struggling, how you're struggling, or if you're catching on pretty well, um, it's short or long, okay? You go with one FTO, then you go with another FTO, and then you go to a third FTO. And a lot of departments do that process. Some smaller departments, they can't afford uh, to have a, a ton of cops, and so you may only have one FTO or two, and they may send you off and have you go through that stuff. But... Um, I was never given a gun and a badge and told, go get it after six months. 
Um, I can tell you, I was barely doing police work in that first month of FTO training. A lot of it was me observing the FTO. They're doing most of the work and they're showing me, okay, we come in contact with this guy. I want to, uh, I want to do, um, this with them. I want to talk to them about this, you know, I'm going to pat them down. I'm going to do whatever it is. And then, you know, they'll say, go ahead and, and do it on the next one. Um, and there was a question in the chat about, can we, can I explain what FTOs are to non-law enforcement officers and FTOs are field training officers. And these are people that have gone through additional training to train other people. Um, some departments, these are higher ranking officers. Some are just senior officers, whatever, whatever their requirements are, but they put a new officer, a recruit or, or, you know, whatever their ranking system is and every department's different with one of these FTOs. And again, the FTO for the first month or so is going to show them how to do it. The next month, the next month, they're going to start doing more and more work. And I can tell you the stuff I went to was low key. It wasn't uh, in progress craziness calls. Generally speaking, in my first department, I went to like shopliftings and thefts and, you know, just little minor stuff, burglary reports where there's no suspects that are already gone or whatever. And uh, it's pretty low key. And so people that have this thought process that law enforcement officers are given a gun and a badge in a car and and just released upon the world is, is not how it works. It doesn't, doesn't happen that way. And so I think people need to understand that. They need, I think they need to grasp that concept that there is training and there's always more training and there's more, you know, part of my state certification. And, and for me, it's the state of Colorado. Every state's different, but for me, I have to get 12 hours of training in three different main topics of policing, which is, driving arrest control and firearms. And then I have to get 12 hours of academic classes just to keep my certification for that year. That's not including all the extra stuff that I went, I go through at the department to remain on the street. You know, they'll tell me, okay, well this month our mandatory training is this, or this month or this week or wherever it is, you know, anti-bias and things like that. We go through that stuff all the time. And you don't hear about it as citizens and you don't see it and you don't know about it, but it's actually occurring. All this stuff, all this training, you're constantly, constantly training. And if it's just three guys get together and they talk about arrest control or they do a building search or whatever, you know, type of training for their, um, for their briefings, you know, something is always happening. Officers are always trying to improve. And I remember in my last department, every single briefing an officer had to do some type of training literally every single briefing and i did a ton of them on policies procedures uh, i did one training on how to not be a dumbass on tiktok because seriously guys stop with the freaking tiktok okay get off of tiktok stop posting those stupid videos stop throwing your ass around on video it's driving me crazy it's not funny it's not cute. Stop. So anyway, we did all sorts of training, whether it was something small and, and nothing or something big like um, entering a room of an active shooter and, and things like that. So understand that law enforcement is always training. They're always getting more certifications. They're always bettering themselves. And departments themselves are always reevaluating. 
And they're always looking at what's going on this year and what's going on in the news and what was the hot topic and things like that. And, you know, when Obama administration did its, you know, background on law enforcement and they did a whole big project research thing. And, you know, the big thing that came out of that was let's train them more on anti-bias. Let's train them more on, on, on racism and things like that. And I can tell you, they do that. They do it all the time. Uh, I can't even count how many times I've done anti-bias policing classes in the three departments that are three agencies that I've been a part of. So it happens. I promise you it's happening. Um, I don't agree with degrees. I don't think you need to go to college to be in law enforcement. And I think if we say, let's just throw a number out six months. So you need six months worth of college. You need the six month Academy. You need the three month FTO training. Okay. Let's make it nationwide standard. Okay. What's going to happen is a year from that, you know, afterwards, two years later, three years later, whatever it is, somebody's going to go, this is not enough. We need more training. You will never satisfy people when it comes to training. You will never satisfy them when you say, well, they did, um, you know, three years worth of training before they came in. That should be enough. And no, they're not going to be okay with that. You know, you look at the movie Judge Dredd, and I talked about this in a past episode. I love Judge Dredd. I think it's a great movie. But the premise behind Judge Dredd is there's no U.S. Constitution. There's no Bill of Rights. Everything is gone. Um, the judges go in and they do like years of training, years of training, and then they go out on the street. And what they do is they're judge, jury, and executioner, essentially when they respond to calls and they make contact with people. And I don't want that. That's what you're essentially pushing for. And you're going to make obsolete the, the, the court system. You're going to make obsolete the judges. You're going to make obsolete all this. And you're going to make that police officer become that. And I don't want that. I don't want that. You don't want that when you actually sit down and think about it. Um, I think that's a, a bad place to go. So please, Let's ease up. Let's relax. Let's talk about what we want our police officers to be to be educated in. You know, I think the general officer, whether they're from a five man department or a five thousand man department or women department, I think that they are perfectly capable of going to a nine one one call where someone is suicidal. They've gotten the training. They know how to deal with them. They've talked to hum- people like human beings. They know how to respond. And I've gone to many. And you know how many I've killed? Literally zero. I've never killed anyone. I've never been there when someone killed anybody. I've never heard about it around me where somebody went to a call and killed someone who was having a mental crisis episode. Generally speaking, something occurs. They hold their family hostage, whatever. They're going to surround the house. They're going to try to call them out. They're going to try to negotiate. They're going to try to do all this stuff. And it's really a a hands-off, standoff approach. The new policing nowadays is like that. It's very rare that you see aggressive policing. Um, It just doesn't occur. So understand, law enforcement officers are qualified to do their jobs. Firefighters are qualified to go out and fight that fire. They shouldn't need a college degree. 
911 call takers are qualified to talk you through the crisis of your life to help you to keep you safe until someone can get there to take over to give you instructions on CPR to give you everything you need that lifeline until someone can get there they are qualified they don't need a degree okay let's let's get away from this and start focusing on the kind of training that they should need and how do we find the funding to get them that training because that training won't just happen. We need to actually be able to have the money to allow them to do that kind of training. So again, defunding the police means less training, okay? That's what it's gonna lead to. Um, I'm gonna do this next video here in just a second, but I did wanna go back through chat. Somebody talked about donating. Um, if you'd like to donate to this podcast, there is an option on Twitch down at the bottom little button that says donate you can donate through there if you're viewing the uh, the audio or hearing the audio through a different you know source pandora spotify whatever it is um, you'll be able to go back to anchor anchor.fm you'll be able to see the podcast there and you'll be able to donate through there you can also leave a message which is kind of neat if you want to tell me to f off and how stupid i was and made you know whatever mistakes or whatever during the podcast you're more than welcome to do that um, if you want to say how great it is you're more than welcome to do that and i'll play those those interactions on future streams you know if you say um you know i thought i thought your 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 take on degrees was wrong and here's why i'll play it i'll play it for people to listen to and we'll talk about it we'll break it down just like i do the videos and and go from there so I like interaction. I want to see more interaction. I want to see and hear from you as a listener to the podcast or a viewer of the live stream. You can join the Discord, which is down underneath the podcast. There's a little button down there. You click on Discord. It'll bring you over. We have a channel, a little lo uh, lobby. You can jump in there and you can talk to myself, the co-host, the guests, whoever's on give comments, things like that. So I want to do that stuff. Um, if you're on the phone or you're listening, like I said, through a, a different a different podcast on your phone, like uh, iTunes or something like that, just follow the links back, um, back to Twitch or Anchor FM, and you can you can donate through there. So you can do that afterwards. You don't have to do it while we're while we're live or anything like that. So I'm going to do this video. It's really quick. It's probably a three minute conversation, uh, but it is going to talk about how policing has changed. So let me go ahead and play this real quick. And then I'll, for the listeners, I will explain what actually occurred. You saw what happened in uh, uh, LASL, right? No. Uh, you look stupid as hell. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be aggravated assault if we were to do some shit like that? Really fast clip. Um, it, it's really straightforward. Now, for the listeners as opposed to viewers, this is a video of an officer in a police car in Seattle. Looks like a sergeant. Um, he's seated in the driver's seat. The window is down. The person recording with a phone or whatever it is is up, up real close to the window. And the officer has his firearm out. And his firearm is kind of like sitting on his lap, aimed at kind of the door, like towards the side. This officer was brought up on, on an investigation and there's, I don't know where they're going to go with it, but 
what I thought was interesting about this is the the outcry over what occurred. This happens a lot. You don't know it happens because you never see it. You know, you may walk up on an officer coming out of a dark alley. Your face is covered. Obviously, we're all covered now, right, with masks and things like that. He doesn't know who you are. He doesn't know what you're doing. And they may put their gun up against the door, may put their arm over it, kind of like this, you know, covering it up. And you may never know it's occurring. Um, You look at the video and he references the two L.A. sheriffs that were shot in their vehicle. Both of them seated in the vehicle. Person runs up to the to the window and just starts firing into the vehicle and strikes both police officers, both both deputies, and then runs away. And I think they found him now. They know who he is. They've caught him. But um, he references that. Did you see that video? And they're like, "No, you're stupid as hell." Well, that's what. That's why that occurs. That's why an officer may pull out his firearm and put it up against the door. And, and it's because someone coming up against the door could pose a threat and they don't know who they are. They don't know what they're about. And so let's not freak out about this because I can tell you it happens a lot. I've probably done it myself a dozen times. Um, I can recall once in my last apartment that I pulled it out and I had it next to me at the center console because somebody was walking up on me. And I think they walked away. They like walked up and then they walked away and I put it back. Um, but in my first apartment, oh yeah, driving around, somebody's like, yo, cop, whatever, pig, whatever. And I'm driving by the alleyway, whoa, what? And they walk up and before I could get out, they kind of scoot up real quick. I've pulled it out and put it right up against the door. And my last apartment had kind of like, proofing bulletproofing in the door so shooting the door was going to literally just blow my eardrums out but my first apartment no armor whatsoever and so i imagine this officer knows clearly what kind of armor they have and he is not really pointing at them just so much as it's just right there that if something goes on he can just take a a, a little kind of whoop and and turn it towards this person if you know they pull out a weapon um this happens a lot. I can promise you it happens a lot. A lot of officers will do a traffic stop. They'll pull their firearm out and they'll kind of hold it next to them or behind them in something that's a little more high risk, but we're not quite felony stop high risk yet. I've seen that. I've seen somebody pull their gun out and, and have it up kind of next to them like this. And they're talking to somebody, but it's above the window of the car. So you can't really see if you were inside, you can't really see this gun because that's a little more high risk. Um, note the whole time his fingers off the trigger is he doesn't have his finger on the trigger. He's maintaining the firearm really well. And someone just noticed and uh, let's not freak out. Let's not be silly. Okay. Does it look bad? Yeah, maybe, maybe to the wrong person. It does look bad. Um, and so maybe he'll get hung up on some sort of charge that you can't have your firearm out, you know, unless there's some sort of threat or, you know, they'll probably make a policy change or something. Um, some of the new departments are even doing where you draw from the holster. And as you draw from the holster, it activates your body cam. I think that's silly to be honest, because if I have to draw my body cam or my, my firearm, you know, for whatever reason, and 
I'm not using it. I put it back right away. I, why do we need to start the body cam? It doesn't make sense. And we'll talk about body cams in a future episode. I, I think that's a long topic. Um, and I think the overall use and, and employment of body cams is great. And thank you, because then we get great videos that I can show on the podcast of things that occur in law enforcement and firefighting and things like that. So thank you for the body cams. But um, no, I think they do improve policing and I think they do help. So, um, we'll talk more about that in the future. Next episode is going to be about <laughs> a hot topic. Woo! Probably the hottest topic we've ever talked about. We're going to break down the Breonna Taylor shooting and um, all the information, the reports, the uh, interviews, all that stuff was just released, I believe, today. And I did not have enough time to actually break down and, and go through it all. Although I did read some of the officer's statements. I did read the um, the uh, boyfriend's um, interview and what he had to say about the shooting and things like that. So we're going to talk about that in a future episode, probably next week and really break it down and, and talk about times and talk about this and talk about you know, what, what they were doing. She was not in bed. He even said it, the, the placement of her body, they showed the scene photos and I'm not going to show those on the podcast, but they show the scene photos and she's blacked out. There's like a square, you know, where the body is. That's not a bedroom. It's a hallway. Um, she didn't move from the bedroom to the hallway. She fell literally right there. And so a lot of the misinformation out there is, is astonishing. And we're going to break it all down. We're going to talk about all this stuff for probably a good 40 minutes. If Steven is back and feeling healthy again, I'm sure he'll have some great input. He's done some research in Breonna Taylor because we talked about doing this as, as an episode. Um, but they just released all the reports and the primary report for the incident is like 230 pages and it's amazing. So we are going to talk about that. I appreciate everybody being here. I appreciate everybody coming into uh, the chat. I appreciate them viewing. If you're listening on a Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, whatever it is, I greatly appreciate you listening. I hope we see you next week. And as always, we will be live on Twitch, 10 p.m. Eastern, every single Friday. So you can always look forward to that. Generally speaking, 24 hours or so, I'll have the video up because it does take some time for it to process on YouTube and things like that. So you can find the actual video on YouTube on our channel, and then you can listen to the audio shortly after that because that'll upload and do its internet thing. So... I appreciate everybody being here and, and interacting and, and viewing. And um, I, I hope in the future we'll get some more interaction in the chat. And we'll get some people into Discord and, and, and commenting and, and really getting involved. I think next week's topic is the topic to talk. I think this is a good topic for people to come in and say what they think about the incident and justice for Brianna and all this stuff. I think is it's going to be a great episode. So um, I look forward to it. I appreciate everybody. Thank you. And as always, you know, keep our first responders in your thoughts. If you're a praying person, please do that as well. They need to be defended because on a daily basis, they defend us. So 
Thank you for being here. I appreciate you.